Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Friday, February 28th. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. Uncertainty over the spread of coronavirus continues to rattle markets, making this the worst week for the Dow since the financial crisis of 2008. In Washington, President Trump defended his administration's handling of the outbreak as public officials warn Americans to prepare for community spread. And controversy over the Justice Department's decision to create a task force dedicated to strip naturalized Americans of their citizenship. This and much more today on You News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin this hour with the latest developments in the growing coronavirus outbreak. Overnight, more than 600 new cases have been reported, bringing the worldwide total to more than 83,000. Here in the U.S., the focus is on Northern California, where officials are trying to figure out how a woman contracted the virus with no known exposure to it and explosive allegations from a whistleblower claiming more than a dozen people sent to receive the first Americans returning from Wuhan, China, did not have proper training or protective gear. But first, coronavirus fears sparking a massive slide on Wall Street. Stocks are on track for their worst week since the year 2008 after the Dow made history closing nearly 1,200 points to mark its worst one-day drop ever. Panic in the stock market over the spreading coronavirus continued into a seventh day on Friday, with shares in the United States tumbling following steep declines in Asia and Europe. Stock markets having their worst week since the financial crisis. The Dow plunging more than 3,200 points in just four days after hitting record highs just last week. The S&P 500 index dropped more than 3% in early trading this Friday. Before trading began, the index was already down nearly 11%, meaning the typical 401k, which ended last year at $112,300, dropped by more than 12000 in just the last days. Goldman Sachs predicting that the biggest companies in the U.S. may not grow at all this year because of the coronavirus. President Trump trying to pin this week's stock market slide on Democrats, insisting that investors are spooked by the prospect of Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden becoming the next president. And I think they're also very worried that, you know, we're going to be running against somebody and they see these characters up on stage and, you know, anything can happen in an election and they see these people. And if any of these people ever did happen to assume the presidency, you would have a crash like you've never seen before. And I think the market's also putting that into the equation. Federal Reserve officials began to signal a willingness to cut interest rates if the outbreak worsens, but cuts will do little to restart factories. The ripple effects being felt across many industries, companies that rely on travel like Marriott and United Airlines, warning the outbreak will negatively affect their business. While others like Nike and Apple say factories shuttered in China have delayed production. Facebook canceling a major conference and America's largest private company, Cargill, joining a growing list of firms banning travel for employees. 
But the key question moving forward is how severe and how long does this virus and this outbreak last? The longer it goes on, the more consequential the economic impact. So far, we don't know how people will make choices in the next few weeks or months about whether to dine out, to go on airplanes, to eat in restaurants, or perhaps even go to the movies. In early February alone, the United States already saw travel bookings more than cut in half. And there are also new questions today about a California woman and how she contracted the virus so far from an unknown source. The CDC waited days before testing her. Dulce Castellanos is in Sacramento, California, where that woman is now hospitalized. Dulce, what else do we know about this woman's case? That's right, Andrea. The woman has been hospitalized at this medical center, the UC Davis Medical Center, since February 19th after she was transferred from another local hospital where she first walked in with flu-like symptoms. There she remained for a few days untested. It was until she came to this medical center that the CDC approved to test her for the coronavirus, which resulted in a positive test. Now, this was done because she did not fit the criteria for that test. She had not traveled to China or overseas and had not been in contact with anybody that has been infected. Therefore, it was not identified until she was here at this medical center where she has been receiving pulmonary care for about a week now. That's all we know of her for now. We don't know who she is only that she is a Solano County resident who lives in the area and presented herself with these flu-like symptoms. Now, they're tracing her steps back. Local authorities, state authorities are meticulously investigating every single person that she may have been in contact with because they feared that they could have also been exposed to the virus. They believe about 100 people, individuals, whether those are healthcare workers or community members that could have been in communication with her. For now, there are no other known uh, viruses or other people infected with the virus. And state officials have said that, that they are more than prepared to take on uh, this uh, outbreak if it were to be the case. That's what we have from Sacramento, Dulce Castellanos. Back to you, Andrea. Dulce, I have a quick question. Since this may be a possible case of community transmission, meaning person to person that it was spread, is there concern about how quickly this may be spreading in the U.S. or perhaps there in California? There are concerns, which is why they are going back to every single person. They are tracing her, streps, her steps to identify every single individual that she may have been in contact with. And even those uh, in her nearby surroundings, which they have not identified where she lives, her age or anything like that. But they are taking steps. Um, the community is also saying that they are looking uh, to up their hygiene practices. They are being more careful. But people seem to be calm for now. They do trust in the authorities and saying that the general risk for the public remains low. Thank you, Dulce Castellanos, reporting live in Sacramento, California. And of course, we will continue to monitor this case as well as many others very closely. Now to the administration's response to this crisis and a whistleblower claiming government health care workers were not prepared to receive coronavirus evacuees. Janet Rodriguez has the very latest on this from Washington, D.C. Janet, what do we know? 
Right, and this whistleblower is now seeking federal protection. He claims that the health workers who were in charge of taking care of the first American evacuees who came from Wuhan were not properly trained and did not have the necessary precautions to keep themselves basically safe and from uh, getting the coronavirus if any of the evacuees had been infected. So this is a great claim from this person and puts the government at odds with it, what it's been saying for days now that everything is under control and that they took the preventive measures much earlier than any anyone else or really and uh, but the vice president who has now taken over the response uh, measures and the coronavirus task force is also coming under fire for his 2015 response to an HIV outbreak in the state of Indiana he's being criticized because he delayed a needle exchange program in this day in the state making the outbreak even worse there. He obviously is defending himself and this afternoon he's having um, a task force meeting in Florida with the governor of that state. In the meanwhile, the president continues to send contradictory messages. He speaks to one thing but says that while he says that we are taking all the measures necessary, he also says that this virus is very unlikely to spread through the U.S., which is not what authorities, health authorities have been saying for days. Here's a little more of what he said yesterday. It's going to disappear. One day it's like a miracle. It will disappear. Yes. And from our shores, we've, you know, it could get worse before it gets better. It could maybe go away. We'll see what happens. Nobody really knows. At the White House, we would also hear this afternoon from Secretary Azar. He will talk to the media, give us an update as to what the situation is. We'll see if what the president wants, which is to quiet down the anxiety of uh, the public uh, works and whether those health officials will no longer say that it's inevitable that the health that uh, the coronavirus will spread in our communities so this is a contradicting message as we heard from the president trying to calm anxieties while health officials continue to alert the community that we must be prepared in the event that the coronavirus continues to spread throughout the u.s back to you it's definitely important to remain calm. Thanks so much, Janet Rodriguez, reporting in Washington, D.C. Meanwhile, around the world, other countries are dealing with the crisis as well. Mexico reporting its first cases as infections soar in South Korea, and the only continent spared so far is Antarctica. This has 20 countries work hard to develop a vaccine. Lorraine Caceres has more. After Brazil reported the first case of coronavirus in Latin America, Mexico is reporting case number two and number three. One of the patients is in Mexico City and the other in the northern state of Sinaloa. Neither is seriously ill. One is in isolation at a hospital. The other is isolated at a hotel. We have the doctors, the specialists, the hospitals, the capacity to face this case. In South Korea, where there is the largest outbreak outside of mainland China, cases jumped today by 571 cases, bringing the national total to 2,337. People lining up all over the city of Daegu for masks. There are fewer cars um, in the whole city, um, fewer people in restaurants. It's a lot uh, quieter than before, but people seem to be... Um, Careful 
of this situation. Meanwhile, in Hong Kong, families are cooped up at home after the government closed schools through April to help contain the virus. Companies have rolled out work-at-home policies and children are taking classes online. Uh, I just wake up, I go to my computer. Um, our school uses Google Meets to like get us to see each other and go online to learn. Like every lesson, it's like, it's not such a big difference. Weeks inside small apartments, as is usual in a city like Hong Kong, can take a toll on children and parents. Being cooped up in one space with everybody under quite a lot of pressure. So we have, you know, a stress container and in these last couple of weeks, our stress container has been really filling up with everything because there's also that general fear of contamination that people are feeling. So everything is adding up. In Canada, volunteers like Mary are shopping for meals, showing support for people who have isolated themselves to prevent the spread of the coronavirus after traveling to China. So far, six people from the Diamond Princess cruise that disembarked in Japan have died. Also, a cruise ship docked yesterday in Cozumel, Mexico, the MSC Meraviglia, after being turned away from Jamaica and Cayman Islands. Mexican authorities are evaluating if they will allow passengers to disembark. Meanwhile, another ship, the MS Braemar, has been turned away from the Dominican Republic after eight passengers fell sick on board. Back to you, Andrea. Lorraine, thanks so much for all that information. And with the United States now reporting 62 confirmed cases of the coronavirus, of course, there's a lot of worry out there. And we know you have questions. We do as well. So we asked Univision chief medical correspondent Dr. Juan Rivera to help get at the real facts, everything from how doctors are treating their patients to how to stay healthy. But first, we begin with how easily the coronavirus spreads. Doctor. The transmission of the coronavirus is very similar to the common um, to the common flu or influenza. Now, just to give you an idea, a person who has influenza typically will infect one or two other individuals. A person that has the coronavirus can infect one to four other individuals. So, to a certain extent. Uh, we can say that the coronavirus is more contagious. Unfortunately, at this point in time, we don't have a specific treatment, uh, a medication, an antiviral medication for coronavirus. Uh, we do not have a vaccine as of this point for the coronavirus. So the treatment is supportive. What does that mean? People get intravenous fluids, people get supplemental oxygen, uh, but, but that's about it. It's important to state that we are about five to six weeks away from initiating testing of the vaccine in humans. Minimizing the risk uh, basically is with everyday life uh, precautions. So it sounds basic, but the most efficient um, thing that you guys can do is wash your hands frequently with water and soap. The second uh, thing that you guys can do is try to make sure that you're not bringing your hands to your face, especially when you're in public uh, places. If you are someone who has fever, uh, shortness of breath, symptoms of an infection, you should stay home. You should stay, stay as isolated as possible. If you're in a public area and you sneeze, you should uh, you, you shouldn't sneeze on your hands or without covering yourself. Uh, if you don't have anything to cover yourself with, you should do it here in your arm. 
Um, obviously, the, the, the other thing that is important is that if you have symptoms, you should contact your doctor immediately. You should seek medical uh, help and advice. Um, and finally, I think that we have gotten to the point in which uh, it's probably better that if we're gonna say hi to someone, we don't shake hands, we don't give them a kiss. Uh, that's probably a, uh, a good preventative measure at this, at this point in time. Thank you so much, Dr. Juan Rivera. They are simple tips, but unfortunately, sometimes we forget them and also have some antibacterial soap with you in case you don't have soap and water or antibacterial wipes. Go ahead and head over to our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook page for more on Dr. Juan's answers. He'll tell you if you really need a face mask and what symptoms to look out for. You can find us at Univision News. Now let's talk politics. South Carolina, the next big test, less than 24 hours away. Joe Biden staking his comeback on a big win there. Polls show him in the lead over Bernie Sanders, but a new ABC News Ipsos poll this morning suggests Sanders now has a national edge in electability. 34% say he has the best chance of beating President Trump. Claudia Uceda is in Charleston with the latest. Good afternoon from South Carolina, where it's make it or break it for Joe Biden's campaign. If he doesn't win this state and win big, his presidential aspirations might be over. Why? Because he didn't win in Nevada. He didn't win in New Hampshire and Iowa. And Bernie Sanders is leading in the delegate count. So Biden needs a victory. A new Monmouth University poll shows Biden with a 20-point lead over over Bernie Sanders. And this poll shows that African Americans are propelling Biden to the top. All of the Democratic candidates are focusing here on the African American voters. The Hispanic vote here represents only 2% of the electorate. We've been talking to voters and found that many are still undecided. Let's take a listen. Well, I still undecided with which one I will vote. It's between uh, Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders. And I will take my time of the next few hours to read more about each candidate and also uh, look for more information about both of them and, and just decide. And even though the focus here is on the primary, President Donald Trump is trying to agitate his supporters with a rally tonight. Now, back to you. Thank you, Claudia Uceda in Charleston, South Carolina. Meanwhile, with Super Tuesday, it's right around the corner. A new Noticias Univision poll found that Texas voters are highly motivated come November. 74% of all registered Texas voters say they will vote, compared with 65% of Texas Latino voters. The big question is whether Texas will flip from Republican to Democrat. The Democratic Party there hasn't won a presidential election since the year 1976. And right now, Democrats in Texas account for 46 percent of the votes, while Republicans account for 45 percent. Independent voters could flip the results, though, since they account for 9 percent of voters. The poll also found that President Trump's approval rating in Texas remains its quite high at 52% among all Texas voters, while among Latino voters, the approval rating is at 
38%. And by the way, Univision and CNN will broadcast a debate among the Democratic presidential hopefuls on March 15th from Phoenix, Arizona. That will be two days before the primary election in that state where the Latino votes will be crucial. So go ahead and tune in. A federal judge in Washington state blocked the Trump administration from diverting funds away from the state towards border wall construction. White House officials want to take nearly $90 million from state construction projects as part of the president's emergency declaration, which allows his administration to dip into Pentagon funds to help build a wall. As the Trump administration ratches up immigration enforcement, the Justice Department announced on Wednesday the opening of a section specifically dedicated with stripping naturalized Americans from their citizenship. Jaime Garcia explains. The creation of a special section within the Department of Justice dedicated to denaturalization cases has provoked controversy. It is clear that the creation of this denaturalization section is absolutely unnecessary. It is a waste of resources. Until now, it had been the job of the Immigration Litigation Office to investigate and litigate in federal courts all cases to revoke the naturalization. Usually the individuals who um, are denaturalized are individuals, um, for example, who belong to the Nazi party, um, who have committed acts of torture, um, and, um, and once that discovered, then um, the individuals were denaturalized. According to the Department of Justice, the creation of the special section corresponds to the growing number of referrals anticipated from law enforcement agencies. There are 10 recent cases that result in revoking the naturalization of 14 individuals convicted of terrorism, war crimes, sex offenses, and fraud. Perhaps there are one, two, three among the millions and millions of individuals who become naturalized citizens that should not have gone through the process. But what this administration is doing is trying to intimidate the immigrant community and to create a second-class status for U.S. citizens that are naturalized. The director of Naleo cites that the federal Congress will have to intervene to prevent the spread of doubt in regard the American citizens by naturalization. Well, we are clearly going to be closely monitoring what this administration will be doing with this effort, but we're going to be calling, calling upon Congress to fully investigate the creation of this office and the motivations for such. This announcement by the Department of Justice coincides with the release of a new study by the Center Pew that shows that one in every 10 voters in the next presidential election will be a naturalized citizen. What I also believe is that this is a response to the growing political power of new Americans in this country and that this is a means by which to diminish our power. This country has a history of welcoming immigrants. And for those who go through the process of becoming a naturalized citizen, what we know of them is that often they are even more patriotic than those who are born here. In Los Angeles, Jaime Garcia, U News. More of U News after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The Senate will turn itself into a courtroom. The private border fence is being installed. A police officer and three people were killed inside a Jewish supermarket in Jersey City. U News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. U News on Fusion. 
Welcome back to You News. Pope Francis canceled all official meetings today. According to the Vatican spokesman, the Pope is feeling slightly unwell. He has a cold, but officials there are trying to downplay concerns that his condition might be serious or that he could have contracted the coronavirus that has hit so many people in Italy and around the world. Dominican Independence Day took on a different meaning Thursday as protests in the Dominican Republic triggered by the fallout over botched municipal elections became massive. Thousands rallied at Plaza de la Bandera in Santo Domingo, while Dominican Americans in major U.S. cities participated in solidarity protests. Municipal elections have been rescheduled for March 15th and traditional paper ballots will be used. Now to Mexico. In 2019, the Central American country recorded the highest number of homicides, the escalation of violence continuing into this year. The latest example is out of Mexico City, a family caught in the middle of a shooting between police and hitmen. Here's Gianni Aponte. This family in Mexico was caught in the crossfire during a confrontation between hitmen and the army in the border town of Rio Bravo, Tamaulipas. The woman recorded the chase and then the shooting. The kids with her were scared of being mistaken for hitmen. Here, people write, we are family, don't shoot, on their car windows. We are already tired of the state police killing innocent people. This journalist has been in charge of analyzing violence figures in Mexico and discovered that they are continuing to climb and that femicides are getting out of control. In the first 14 months of Andrés Manuel López Obrador's presidency, nearly 4,500 women have been murdered, a 7.5% increase over the last 14 months of Enrique Peña Nieto's six-year term. The situation in Mexico, in terms of general public safety and women's safety, continues to worsen and we have not touched the bottom. In his morning conference, however, President López Obrador insisted that the violence problem is not out of control and blames it on drug use. 60% de los asesinados. 60% of those killed in clashes are shown to be under the influence of drugs or alcohol, but primarily drugs. This journalist says that those figures do not match with the official data. Why is it 60%? Who says so? Drug tests have been given to the killers. How can that be the conclusion reached? Ported by Alejandro Madrigal, this is Gianni Ponte for U News. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.